Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you in the midst of a rainstorm. We got a little bit of rain today. We need it. Yes. We don't have to cut our grass then. Right. <laughs> uh, we are going to go along. I hope we don't get canceled yeah. in the middle of our show. By Mother we'll Nature. Be busy. And someday we're going to get a waterproof studio. That's right. And a voice proof or something. But uh, we want to talk about what the big headline t today on Zero Hedge and, uh, you know, many, most of the media now, they want to talk about, they're so relieved. You know, the epidemic is over. Yeah. We, and somebody said, yeah, but the people knew that a long time ago. Yeah. Everybody, I saw one statistic was reported that by the time COVID hit the United States, there's statistics now to show that COVID had peaked yeah. wor worldwide. And the numbers all, when you really look at it and study it, the numbers were getting better all along and they've been okay. But, but you know, I don't think I have any difficulty in convincing you, this is a political stunt. Yeah. This yeah. is just politics, <coughs> has nothing to do with science. And, uh, and yet uh, a lot of people, you know, um, have been doing exactly what the government said. And you know, you can't say, well, you're a bunch of idiots. Uh, you, you know, uh, you, you, you uh, obviously have respect for the government. We've been yeah. taught to have respect. But more people are starting to realize if you're looking for truth and if you're looking for protection, if you were looking for security, economic security, the government doesn't help us with that. That's yeah. why we need to have more skepticism among the people. And this is a, a good example of what's happening. But the pandemic is, uh, hasn't really uh, been as bad as they said. It was serious. People did have major problems with it, but the treatment sometimes was worse than worse than the uh, virus. Yeah. And also, also uh, the lockdown. Uh, that if you talk about the lockdown, was it? Did it cause any harm uh, me medically? Yes, some. But the real harm was the destruction of the understanding of what freedom is all about yes. and how you solve problems. And that is not recoverable. The other thing that people are admitting to now, because school just started. Lo and behold, they're shocked. Some of the kids are behind on their studies. Yeah. Why didn't they go home and study all by themselves, start reading the books? And some of them, of course, didn't even have anybody at home with them. And yeah. there's all kinds of, of, of uh, obstacles there. But uh, in a way, it's, um, it's sort of good news, but it's not news. It's sort of a capitulation that uh, he's responding. This is my opinion. He's responding to the people's uh, attitude, and they, and they've been ahead of certainly uh, you know the far left and Biden because uh, they haven't believed a lot of this anyway. Yeah. So uh, this is this is a capitulation that <clears throat> the doctors who were talking about science and got uh, canceled for it, they still have not been reimbursed for all their pain and suffering, yeah. and probably won't be. But this is uh, this to me is a. Uh, we, we can find some good things of it, but you know, it's sort of a backward way of finding some good. If we, if there had been more response to true science, uh, so much wouldn't have happened that we're suffering from now. Well, let's listen to the president because this was last night. He was on 60 Minutes, uh, and it was in his normal offhand way. His response to the question about the pandemic. We can play that first video clip and listen to the president talking to the 60 Minutes 
Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's what the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I So this, I think, Dr. Paul, is, is a prime example of why this is political, not science. Because the president didn't say, well, I've consulted my scientists and I've, uh, they've advised me that it's over. No, he declared it over. He's a politician. He's not a scientist. He's not a virologist. He's not an epidemiologist. So this really goes to underscore the fact that the whole thing was political. The whole entire thing was political. And he looks around sort of dumbfounded. You see, no one's wearing masks. That means it's over, as if that somehow, somehow you know, gives yeah, an indication. They said he was working on the assumption that the more masks there are, the worse the pandemic is. <laughs> People were wearing masks because <clears throat> they were intimidated by he and by him and all his other friends and all the people who uh, claimed this was a, a very, very serious problem. But the uh, mask thing, uh, this idea, well, the bastard are honest, so everything is okay. Yeah. But uh, I guess we will continue to try our best to force them to think about the real issue of who takes care of people when there are problems. A bureaucratic government that helped to create the problem, or should it be freedom-loving people who work together in a voluntary manner and uh, take care of themselves and see responsibility for themselves? That uh, you know is generally lost, uh, and you know that's the reason people go to the government, whether it's the businessman or the average person. They say, you know, well, there's an inflation. Uh, they don't, they don't come to us and please explain to us why there's inflation. It's the government's fault. You know, they, they come and say, how are you, how can you send me more money so I can pay my bills? Which is a real question, but they, they, there's not much interest in really understanding what, where they have been uh, indoctrinated, especially since we've had a Federal Reserve. The indoctrination is there for, for believing all this mess uh, just to keep them in power and the system in power, but that system's coming apart. Just like the medical system came apart and the people rebelled against the, the expert and the people are starting to real, realize that uh, the whole economic system is coming apart too. Well maybe the, the uh, silver lining in this whole thing, and I'm looking for one as we speak because my first reaction to what you're saying was very pessimistic and very actually full of anger, but maybe the silver lining is that the iron fist has been revealed inside the velvet glove and may, maybe people will start to realize they've been lied to for now two and a half or so years, maybe they'll be a little bit more hesitant to, uh, to take what the government says at face value. Our good friend Jonathan Turley has a great piece out, and it's important, I think, put this up because he, he's essentially remarking on the fact that President Biden, in his rather offhanded way, announced that the pandemic is over. But if the pandemic is over, Turley points out, there are many policies the Biden administration is pushing right now and pursuing that depend on the pandemic still being in effect. For example, the $1 trillion in student loan uh, paybacks, uh, forgiveness so-called, that's all predicated on the HEROES Act, which is a pandemic act. If there's no pandemic, there's no legal basis to pursue this. The other thing, what about all of the military personnel who have been fired and are facing being fired right now because they refuse the experimental shots. If there's no pandemic, there's no justification for that. 
What about the 800 New York nurses that were, or teachers that were just fired because of the pandemic? Well, if there's no pandemic, you can't force that. So on and on and on, you have the implications of a policy without the policy itself being valid at all. And a couple of our uh, of people that we follow, including one of our good friends, actually does point that out. And let's put on this next clip because this is a, a tweet by Thomas Massey, who always has the right take on it. He comments, if the pandemic is over, as Biden says, then all of the president's emergency powers predicated on a pandemic, all COVID vax mandates, the emergency powers of every governor, emergency use authorizations, and the PrEP Act should all be voided tomorrow. Here, here, he's absolutely right. <coughs> and uh, the editor of Human Events magazine, a conservative magazine, Jack Posobiec, he has also a good point. Let's put that next one on. If the pandemic is over, we can end universal mail-in voting immediately. Thanks, Joe Biden. And the other one, President Biden has declared the pandemic over. Every military member, federal employee, or anyone else affected by the vaccine mandates must file cease and desist immediately, citing the presidential statement. So there are implications to his off-the-cuff remark, and hopefully that will be pursued. We're seeing a lot of court cases now that are making their way through. I think the Marines just got some relief in a court case. And, and for those that uh, exist, probably not watching our program, that exist that still believe that you should be concerned, they said that, and they're still worried about it, and they're still, we see people wearing masks when they shouldn't be. But the statistic shows that this is one of the safest things, safe from COVID. 99.7% of the population, there's no threat. Yeah. <clears throat> and this has always been, uh, you, you know, true, not to that percentage maybe, but true for the young people, the kids. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, even at the height of the fear, uh, the kids were even safe then. But now they're, they've already manufactured the, vi the vaccine. Yeah. You know, and they're sitting around because there'll be another, maybe, maybe oh, oh, it helps flu too. Yeah. So maybe we'll start doing that. And uh, uh, they uh, have, there's, there's uh, no, no reason for these vaccines. Now we're starting to see the numbers come in that, uh, and I'll bet, we've talked about this, I bet when it's settled, you're gonna see more severe uh, uh, complications from the, from, the, uh, from the vaccines than you're gonna see from the COVID. The COVID, <laughs> the COVID obviously has, has been very tough on some people, but I'll tell you what, the, the statistics are growing because just like at the beginning, they had to uh, manufacture statistics that made it look like it's, it was much worse than ever. And, and now they're, they're trying to say that, uh, you, you know, it's over because our vaccines <laughs> took yeah. care of it. But that, that is, uh, I, I think in, in time, you're gonna see a tremendous explosion because there are some of our friends in this business and our good researchers say that some of these uh, complications you know, a lot of times a complication can be, can be five minutes after a shot, you know, if there's an acute allergic reaction. But that's rare. But this uh, myocarditis and the other yeah. complications and paralysis and, and things, that, they, they're already starting to talk, well, it could last for five years, but who knows? Because they're messing around with the immune system like they have never messed around before. And it's, it's just so sad because, uh, you know, we get challenged because we challenge this one system, but, uh, you know, uh, when people lose confidence, 
they might deny themselves some medications that would be perfectly okay. Yeah. And uh, that's why you don't need government sorting out risk and claiming government can make sa provide the safety that we want and, and our security, because then we turn our lives over to them, we turn our civil liberties over to them, and uh, they just cause more problems. Well, Biden himself is the perfect example of why these shots did not work as advertised. He was shot, he was boosted, he still got COVID twice, you know, right? So he is like exhibit A for the fact that they were lying about this the whole time. Right, now I'll report this accurately. But they all said, oh, am I glad I had these shots? Yeah. I could have gotten them sick. Yeah. I could have gotten them four times. Yeah, <laughs> but the other thing is the real power of propaganda. And this is going to be the lasting impact. We suspected it. We noticed it. We saw after 9-11, we saw the Iraq war propaganda. But I think it's, we've entered into a different level. You know, and it's depressing that the people who fell for the, the latest thing, and this was the two and a half year COVID scam, fell again, by and large, for the next latest thing, which is the Ukraine scam. So these people are very susceptible to the propaganda that's out there. And that's why the propaganda seeks to block out voices like ours, voices like other independent media, because it cannot withstand scrutiny. They don't have a strong argument. They have a weak argument, which is why they have to try to shut everyone else up. You know, and they'll, they'll make the points that it's much more dangerous than it really is. But sometimes they decide, well, we don't, <clears throat> we don't want to tell the people. And they'll downplay the danger of something that they should be doing. So you just can't expect good information from a government bureaucrat. Because who is the king of government bureaucrats? I think uh, my son Rand knows his name uh, yeah, very well, exactly. and he he is the king of uh, all bureaucrats. And the, the people must think so. They give him more money, and legally, not morally, but legally, he makes millions of dollars. And who knows? Rand's been trying to get this information out <clears throat> about the playback oh, of yeah. the doctors and Fauci on how much they get from from the. Uh, uh, the pharmaceutical companies and and, that, and and Rand was saying they don't they won't even release it yeah. you know he goes through uh, all the normal procedure and blah, you're just some senator from Kentucky yeah. and we we don't have to listen to you and we're not going to give you the information what do they have to hide yeah. i think if the american people saw the millions of dollars that they're collecting while pretending to be public servants it might change their mind well i think on biden declaring covid over uh, I don't think, as we say, that it's science-based. I think it's politics-based. And in fact, here's a little uh, piece from Zero Hedge where essentially the president admits that himself. Let's put that up. And this is from an article on Hedge. When asked why he believes his support has declined, Biden on Thursday cited the COVID-19 pandemic, which he declared to be over, but said has had a big impact on the psyche of the American people. So here's the reality. We're a few weeks outside of the elections. The administration and many of the Democrats, probably most or all of the Democrats and a lot of Republicans, response to this has been to embrace tyranny and authoritarianism like never before. And now, lo and behold, it's unpopular. Americans don't like having a boot stomping on their face. And so now he's trying to backtrack and say, oh, we did it. We defeated it together. This is a lot more about the polls than it is about medicine. Oh, don't you think that would apply to what was happening in, during the last presidential 
election with Russiagate. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and it was always a breaking story a week or two before, and and here here we had a president that was, uh, you, you know, in conspiracy with the Russians to overthrow our government. Yeah. And and uh, they, 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 they do this, and too many people believe it. But the fact that <clears throat> this is coming up near election is no surprise. But you would say, well, let them say it. Let them give them an opinion. But it's not like that. Uh, the the opinion is boosted by uh, the government. <clears throat> it's boosted by uh, you know the media and so, the social media and the whole works. So the people get pounded with this, and they are influenced by it. But we just already mentioned a few times where the people are catching up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, catching up, and it might might be more difficult to uh, use the old propaganda. They said in in in, in the Soviet system near the end. Uh, it, it was at a point where, you know, nobody believed yeah. anything the government said. And, and uh, that's also fulfilled the statement that governments do not last when the prevailing attitude and opinions of the people do not support the government. You say, why did they ever support, you know, the government? Why did they support Hitler? Then I get around, why are, why are our corporations right now, you know, supporting our government? Yeah. And, uh, oh, so the people who say anything about it, they, just, they say, oh, you're a bunch of fascists, or you're trying to stop uh, corporatism leading to fascism, so they turn around, and they're good at that. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's the reason we need a truth squad. Well, that's a good segue into our second story of the day. I mean, this is something that was a bombshell. And when it was published over the weekend in the New York Post, let's put on this, second, uh, this next clip. This is from Hedges' uh, summary of it. Facebook spied on private me messages of, quote, conservative right-wing individuals, then reported to the S FBI for domestic terrorism. Now, this is according to Justice Department whistleblowers who leaked to a journalist from the New York Post so, as always, anonymous sources should be taken into consideration. Nevertheless, the story is such a bombshell, Dr. Paul, which is the allegations are, and they are allegations, that Facebook was reading private messages between Facebook users. And if they found people who were skeptical about the elections uh, and other <laughs> things that they deemed as dangerous, they would send a redacted uh, version of that message to the FBI unsolicited and say, hey, look at this, what this guy's saying. And the FBI would then use that redacted uh, segment, that redacted message, to send it as a lead to FBI field offices across the country. And then they would again, they would go ahead and get a subpoena. So, so this was initiated by a quote-unquote private company, which alerted federal officials to investigate these people. Yeah, and, and you know, this is different than what we learned a week or so ago with the Rogan interview. Because there, the way I understand that is that uh, uh, Mark uh, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg he, he was sort of confessing and admitting, oh yeah, we communicate with them all yeah. the time because they send requests and we're good citizens and uh, they have subpoenas and, and they said, we'll do it. So we, we cooperate and let them to believe I think they were covering themselves yeah. on that. But this goes one step further. They created the information. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I was get in with you, but it might be a little bit of truth to it, that the government, uh, you know, pressures and blackmails 
private corporations like so, social media because they get money and all the regulation and get get what they want. But here it is. It started with the social media. Yeah. I said, oh, that, that means the social media is taking over the government. <laughs> you know, yeah. they go say, oh, look what we find. This is a little warning here. Go ahead and get them. And, uh, oh, okay, well, I guess we better get a subpoena. So they take it and they use that as an excuse it's amazing. For, for getting the subpoena. Well, here's put on that next clip because this ex explains it exactly what happened. This is from the Post article. <clears throat> Once flagged, the private messages are farmed out as leads to FBI field offices around the country, which will then reach out to the U.S. Attorney's Office to legally obtain the private conversations they had already been shown. As soon as the subpoena was requested, within an hour, Facebook sent back gigabytes of data and photos. <laughs> it was ready to go. They were just waiting for that legal process so they could send it, said one source. So this, as you point out, this goes beyond. This goes into collusion. This goes to Facebook acting as an agent of federal government. That is right. It, it's sort of coming together, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, the, if, you, if you say one word of what it really is, you'll get accused because you've identified, they'll accuse you of, of participating yeah. in it. But, you know, uh, I mentioned this to you because the thought that came to my mind when I started to understand this was something that happened in 1976. That's a long time ago. But it was the first, probably the first month I was there. Gary North was uh, working for me then, and it was a, a big, big complicated bill coming up and it was called the IMF bailout and uh, it was very beneficial to a lot of banks and it was a bill that was designed to try to straighten out the mess of the breakdown of the Bretton Woods so I was fascinated with all that so when when they did that um, I raised the question in a committee and I was pretty new at this stuff I said well why 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 are we doing this now with and, and they were very casual. They said, well, well, you see, in 1971, there was this emergency, uh, and Bretton Woods had to be, uh, uh, you know, had to break down. So we did a lot of things that weren't quite as, uh, quite above board. So we have to pass the law <laughs> to make the law look like what we've been doing for five years. And <clears throat> that's more or less what they're doing here. You, you we're doing it and, uh, and, and make it look good. Uh, they give them the information and they're, they're, they're playing games with yeah, people with, yeah. them, with us. And I'm sure the Patriot Act plays in this. I'm sure it gives them some of the justification. Well, I've never, I haven't revealed it yet actually. And it just really this chapter makes me wonder um, that, and I don't know that you know about this, but you know, as you know, I'm the administrator and the business manager of your Facebook page, uh, which means that everything that gets posted, you know, I'm responsible for. I've been locked out of Facebook now for several weeks. Um, Does that mean I'm locked out? Well, <laughs> there are, thankfully there's an editor that still, that still can post your articles, but we have approached Facebook because this is a business. We are a business manager of your business page where we do advertising. We've approached them and they've said, um, well, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not uh, kicked off or anything, but they refuse to help. And all I get when I try to log in is a picture of ISIS and says, you've, you've printed something that's outside of the, of, of the community standards. No, no example of what I published. Probably it was an article about ISIS, you know, which, you know, there's pictures of ISIS and articles about ISIS, but they refuse to take any steps to help us. And in fact, if any of our viewers have any idea what can be done about this, it makes it extremely difficult to do business as your page and as the RPI page. Yeah, and uh, right now, though, uh, 
uh, we've changed our main page to another company, yeah. and that seems to be doing quite well. Well, that's YouTube, yeah. So, <coughs> so anyway, our, the last thing we want to talk about is just a little quickie because the 60 Minutes segment had a lot of little surprises in it. This one may or may not have been that little. And let's put up the, uh, the video of the president once again talking about Taiwan and once again talking about defending Taiwan against China. I think this is a relatively short. Let's listen to this clip. You want to put on your... Uh, what should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's one China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging them being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told... It's amazing, this clip, because the president said once again, yes, we will defend, militarily defend Taiwan. And then 60 Minutes had to break in and said, after this segment, we were contacted by the White House telling us that, no, we're not going to go defend Taiwan. Well, what he had said was contradictory, you know, yeah. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, we won't, uh, we won't do it. But then he, <clears throat> then he was trying to say, well, but we are not changing policy. We're still, on a, uh, you know, one China policy. And, and they, they try to have two parts to it. But they, I didn't know they caught that. They, why, the White House they, they keep an eye on that guy, don't yeah. they? Boy. <laughs> the thing is, is, apart from being something that's mildly humorous, there's actually a lot of danger contained in this because <clears throat> this is at least the second time that the president said we would go to war with China to save Taiwan, and the White House has had to say, no, that's not true. Basically, the president is not telling the truth. So the Chinese, when they're looking at the U.S. and trying to understand what our policy would be, and it's very important to them, obviously, they're going to wonder, does the president have some mental problems and he keeps forgetting that we're not going to? Or is he purposely trying to say this when he knows it's not the right policy? So, I mean, these are high stakes games. These are nuclear games. And for the Chinese to have this strange, we don't know what the guy is saying thing, I think it makes us all uh, much more vulnerable and presents a bigger danger. Well, that's for sure. And if, they, if we have a little trouble figuring out, you, you know they are, and what if they actually have an ounce of truth in what they're saying? You know, they can't get very far with it because uh, it, this, is, uh, this is one problem uh, uh, for conservatives and, and Republicans because uh, for this, this policy of being really tough on, on, uh, on China, uh, there's a lot of Republicans that support that. And, oh, yeah. And they come out for this and, and, and take that position. So <clears throat> it's that... It's that uh, empire mentality, it's the military-industrial complex mentality, and it's that uh, non-intervention is a sin. Yeah. Uh, you're supposed to, if you have an empire, you have to intervene. And uh, the older the empire and the poorer the empire and the more they extend themselves and the more debt they have, the weaker the empire gets. And we're in the midst of that just beginning. So there's going to be uh, lots of fireworks, yeah. They won't be the kind of fireworks everybody enjoys on the 4th of July. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to close out with a great announcement, in my opinion. Put up that last clip right when the rain starts. <laughs> I'm announcing our third conference of the year, and this one is going to be a real blast. This is going to be held in Lake Jackson, Texas. We know where that is, Dr. Paul. It's called Shut Up, Cancel Culture and the War on Speech. Now, this is a conference that we scheduled back in 2020 and obviously we had to shut up ourselves 
we're bringing it back. We're talking about all the things that Dr. Paul has been talking about, the cancel culture, the culture of Marxist, the attacks on free speech, the violence against people who say things that some people disagree with. It's going to be a great lineup, Lake Jackson, November 5th. There is a link in this description <coughs> that tells you a lot more about the conference and how to get tickets, low price tickets. We're going to have a great time. So get yours today. Even without announcing it, we sold quite a few already over the weekend, Dr. Paul. Well, this is a very important issue because I consider the, the, the First Amendment as key. You can't pick and choose one only because somebody will say, well, you don't believe in the second. But you can. You can believe in the first and tie them in even to the second is that if you're being challenged there, if you can't talk about it and present facts without being canceled and lose your platform and use your ability and have your books burned, I mean, literally, that is happening. They don't, they don't have a, a fire outside, but big, you know, eliminating certain books, and that's very common because if you want to put in the really, really bad books, you got to get rid of the books that they don't like. So uh, the First Amendment is key, and we do have some great people on that and besides we have some and we're going to have more individuals who have been considered left uh, left wing uh, progressives and uh, they had good principles based on civil liberties and also uh, on foreign policy of not going to war carelessly so i think it's an opportunity and i hope we have bring a few of those to our conference this time because we don't mind a, a challenge uh, to people who uh, would like to learn more about non-interventionism. And uh, so many will write us off by saying, oh, you're a bunch of isolationists, you don't want to deal with the world. But if you want to see the difference between, you know, non-intervention, isolationism, it's very important that you understand the First Amendment and the foreign policy of non-intervention because that's bringing people together. We, we actually are so old-fashioned that we believe in trading with people. That's like talking to your neighbor and uh, instead of using it as weapons. And believe me, unfortunately, the moves in the last couple of years has been in the wrong direction. We have trade wars going on, sanction wars going on, and uh, the uh, Republicans aren't innocent bystanders on, on that issue. So uh, hopefully we get a nice crowd out there and talk about the very principles that were emphasized by our founders when they gave us the Constitution. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Come back soon.